from verse 16 in Matthew. It says Matthew 19 verse 16. And the title of the message is The Power of Treasure. You see, if we understand that where my treasure is, that is where my heart is. You want to know what's important to a man or to a person? Okay. Look where he spends his time, his resources, his money. Look what he's talking about. And you will know where his treasure is. And then you'll know what the power of that treasure is. Because your, the treasure of your heart has got the power to pull you in a direction. To do something. You see, I like rugby. Okay? So World Cup, doesn't matter what time the game was, I'm watching it. I got my biltong out. I got my cold drink. I'm sitting, I don't care. It can be like, I got the volume loud in the house. And my missus is saying it's late that night. We, the, I don't care. Because there's power in your treasure. Does that make sense? All right. So let's read this together. Verse 16. Now behold, uh, one came to him, said to him, Good teacher, what good thing shall I do that I may have eternal life? I want you, if you underline in your Bible or mark there, it's two things. Good teacher and good thing I must do. So he said to him, why do you call me good? No one is good but one, that is God. But if you want to, to enter into life, keep the line, keep the commandments. And he said to him, which one? Jesus said, you shall not murder, you shall not commit adultery, you shall not steal, you shall not bear false witness, honor your father and your mother, and you shall love your neighbor as yourself. The young man said to him, I have all these things I have kept from my youth. What do I still lack? What do I still lack? I want you to underline that. And Jesus said to him, if you want to be perfect, I want you to underline that, go sell what you have and give to the poor. And you will have treasure in heaven and come follow me. But when the young man heard the saying, he went away sorrowful, for he had great possessions. Then Jesus said to his disciples, As surely I say to you, it is hard for a rich man to enter the kingdom of heaven. And again I say to you, it is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to enter the kingdom of heaven. We're going to talk about that eye of a needle as well. When his disciples heard it, they were greatly astonished, saying, Who then can be saved? But Jesus looked at them and said to them, With men this is impossible, with God all things are possible. And then Peter answered and said to him, See, we have left all and have followed you. Therefore, what shall we have? You can underline that, therefore, what shall we have? So Jesus said to them, Assuredly I say to you, that in the regeneration, when the Son of Man sits on the throne of His glory, you who have followed Me will also sit on twelve thrones, judging the twelve tribes of Israel. And everyone, I want you to underline, everyone who has left houses or brothers or sisters or father or mother or wife or children or land, for My name's sake, shall receive a hundredfold and inherit eternal life. 
but with many who are first will be last, and the last first. So that's the piece I want us to read together. I know it's a mouthful this morning, but it's important so you understand that this is a, so that you can get what this power of treasure is. What the, the ability treasure has to move you. This young man has got a lot of money. He says that he's got great possessions. What must I do to be perfect? What must I do to inherit? What must I do to be saved? What must I do? Can you follow that? You see, what must I do? You see, when we go into performance, when we go to a place where you do, you know that none of us are good enough. Okay, you cannot earn your way into heaven. You cannot. There's no way you and I can earn our way into heaven. He says, why do you call me good? Only one is good. There's only one standard. That's God's standard. You get that? There's one standard, and that is God's standard. Everybody else and everything else falls short of that standard. Does it make sense? Okay. So then he says, go keep the commandments. Now, why would Jesus point somebody to the law? That's the first thing you need to ask yourself. Why would Jesus point somebody to the law when he is the fulfillment of law? Why would he send him? Go there. I want you to go. Law. Go keep the commandments. He says, if you want to be perfect, then this young man says, well, I've done all of this. You see, a lot of people have become so legalistic. No, I'm not legalistic. Okay. Every time you measure somebody according to a standard that you set, you are legalistic. You're performing. You've gone into the place, I keep the commandments, but you don't keep the commandment. So now you're focusing on somebody's mistakes shortcomings, flaw. There's a critical thinking. Think, not critical thinking in, as an analyzing, but become critical by nature or spirit. And I look at Rod and I say, you know what? That's what's wrong with him. That's what he is doing wrong. Now I'm, I am standing in a legal place and I am judging. And I'm looking at the shortcoming of that. Jesus says, go keep all these commandments. He says, well, I've done that. Yet, he says, what do I still lack? This guy and everybody of us, we all know that. It doesn't matter how good a life we're trying to live, we all realize that we lack something. We lack something because we're not perfect. All the perfect people, please put up your hands. Okay. No one. At least we don't have a lying spirit here. <laughs> because everybody realizes that we are imperfect. The pastor is imperfect. The guy that sweeps the floor, he's imperfect. The little child, he's imperfect. None of us live up to this thing. We all realize, even if we can, this young man says, I've kept the commandments since day one. I've honored my mom. I've not done this. I've not done that. I've done everything right. Jesus said to me, you lack one thing. What's that one thing? He says, go sell. You see, what he's saying is, son, your heart, the treasure of your heart, is in law. It's lying in law. So now you're judging and you're perceiving life and you're looking at people from law. Your heart's not moved. 
How, did he, how can we say his heart's not moved? Well, when Jesus said to him, go sell everything you have and follow me, he said, no, I can't do that. I can't do it. So what does he love more? Jesus or the possessions he has? So he's a young man. How did he get rich? He most probably inherited it. So he's known comfort all his life. So how can a rich man enter into heaven? He says, well, it's easier for, the, for a camel to go to the eye of a needle. Okay, so this is a Jewish expression. If you don't know it, I'll explain to you. I know a lot of you, I have explained it to you, but I'll explain it again. It's not talking about a needle and a camel. Okay, It's talking about a hole in a wall. The city had a wall around it. Okay, and at night they would close the gates and then there would be a hole in that wall. They called that hole the eye of the needle. And to get your camel through there, you had to dismount, unload, get everything through, and push this camel on its four knees through this hole. It's a lot, a lot of hard work. So, is it, has Jesus got a problem with money, with rich people? No. He's saying that this person's treasure has got his heart. And you need to relinquish this treasure so that you can have Jesus as your treasure, and there is power in your treasure. So now you're following after Jesus. You're following after Jesus. Now, how does that sound? You know how it sounds when people's treasure is not in Jesus? We have to go to the last verse there, verse 29. And everyone who has left houses, okay, to my house, it's my house, I won't leave my house, I stay in my house. I run my house the way I want to run my house. I raise my children the way I want to raise my children. I don't care what the Bible says. I do it in the humanistic way. The way I am the king of my castle. Okay, where's that man's treasure? In Jesus or his house? Are you following? I will live the way I want to live. It's my house and no one will tell me how to live. Now, my treasure is not Jesus. My treasure is my house. I'm the king of my castle. Who's saying that? Lady Gugu Gaga, ne? But woman that wears meat for clothing. Oh my crack. You want to see some bonkers. Put on a meat dress. She had a whole dress made out of meat. Walking biltong. We just had to put some spices. Huh? I'm going to do it the way I want to. Who's heard that before? Who's heard that before? Okay. Who said that before? Uh-huh. Let's bring this home. Let's bring it home. Who is the head of your house? Is he now? If he is then, am I still living the way I want to in my house? Do what I want to do. Raise my kids the way I want to. Bry the way I want to bry. Watch the movies that I want to watch. Oh, can you see the power of treasure? Suddenly, there's some power. Oh, if you leave your house. I was, you've heard these words? I was raised that way. Hello? Okay. 
Where is, where is that treasure? The way I was raised. Rather than moving to Jesus. The next thing. You're not going to like me after this, okay? But it's okay. I'm not yet to please you. I'm yet to serve you. Hello? I'm yet to please the Lord and serve you. Are you happy with that? Can we do that? Can I please the Lord and serve you? Okay, so if you don't like me after this, don't run away now. Ne? Okay? I'm not meaning to hurt you. I'm meaning to serve you. Hopefully I can do it with some salt and, you know, some hundreds and thousands on top of it. So at least it's swallowable. If you need some water, tell me. <laughs> Everyone who has left houses, brothers or sisters or father or mother or wife or children talks about family. Some people worship their family. They will not come to church because it's a birthday. Worshipping family. My family comes first. Worshipping family. You see, this is not popular preaching. There's a pastor that I know, he's got a very successful church. He made it out as a young man that God will be first and no one will compete with him. After 10 years of marriage, his wife walked out. Now God doesn't want you to be divorced. God wants you, madam, and you, sir, to put him first and not family. Some people are so into their children. Everything is about the child. That the child has become their treasure. And not an arrow in a quiver. You see, children are not to be worshipped. They are only to be shaped like an arrow in a quiver that you can release into its purpose and destiny for its life. Now, if that arrow is bent, you need to straighten it. The laws of this country want to take away the power for you to straighten it. People's opinions want to take away the straightening. Now, you must. Where's your treasure now? Are you following? It fits all around the children. Mom, if everything revolves around the child, you are raising an entitled child that will end up in an entitled position that might open a door for narcissism, that will open a door for a whole lot of pain. A whole lot of pain. Now, it's controversial. People don't like it when I talk about this. But the Bible has got about nine verses, not one, nine, that says, spank him. One of those verses says, even with bloody wounds, you can't hit him that hard. Well, either you love Jesus and your treasure is there, or you love the law and you love that. You see, this does not make for popular teaching or popular preaching. In some countries, I'll get locked up for saying it. It says you're invoking violence. I'm not invoking violence. My dad beat me. My mom beat me. And thank God they beat me. This thing where I would have been if they didn't. You all know how naughty I am. Yeah? 
And I, guess what? I'm not walking around with triggers. Oh, I'm being triggered again. No, because your dad didn't smack the triggers out of you. No. He didn't break the trigger. So you bent like this crooked. Bent and no one can shoot you. You become spoiled. Now, when you go look at the word spoiled in the dictionary, they normally give an example. They say spoiled, it's not useless, can't be used, everything. And then they give a little explanation. Like a rotten apple that fell on the ground. Spoiled. Covered with worms. Useless. For anybody. And that's the word spoiled. No one's saying kill the child. It's no one to say, hey, don't love your wife or don't love your husband. But if you place family above Jesus, that's where your treasure is. You have to place Jesus above family. That's the right order of things. My son wakes up one morning and says, I'm not going to church today. I said, excuse me? Are you sick? No, I just don't feel like it. He says, son, in this house we go to church on Sundays. So why? I said, because the Lord provides this house. He provides the food and the roof you sleep under, the bed you sleep in, the clothes on your body. We will go to church. But I don't feel like it. I don't care, son. No, we for, can't force them to go to church. Can't force them. They'll, it will spoil it for them. Askis. My Bible says you bring him before the Lord and indoctrinate him with the word in his mind and then one day he will return and stay with the Lord. Now, would you rather want your child to go to hell and be comfortable or come to the Lord and be saved? A world out there, sorry I'm getting passionate, a world out there is going to hell. And parents are saying, well, it's his choice. Come on. Then we don't care about children. Then we don't love our neighbor. Then our whole household, we don't love Jesus. Sorry, I don't mean to, I'm just getting very excited. Because I love people, I love children. People say, welcome, but look how scared the children. They're not scared, they've got honor and respect, sir. They need to know what's good for them. They need to know the boundaries. They need to know that I am not his Mikey. Why? Because he will realize that God is not to be mocked when he grows up. And speak to the Lord. Yeah, you know, Lord you got to do something. Arrogance. And then the Lord says, but I love you. It's funny, eh? It is funny. But that's what we stare at in the world. People walking around saying, where's the fear of God? There ain't no fear of God because daddy never took his place. And mommy pampered the little thing. I'm not saying break his spirit. No one said that. Jesus doesn't break a bended reed. He straightens it. He comes and he says, I will be your strength. How can a young man establish his ways? How? Follow after the Lord. Follow after the Lord. Years ago, I was sharing with a moth club in Pretoria. We're at the children's home. We're working there. I'm sharing. And the old lady started coming at me, against me, because... I would dare put children in their place. Now, well, do you want me to love you? Do you want me to love you? 
All right. That means I need to correct you. I take correction from people. Why do I take it? Because I know they love me. They love me. Some of you have corrected me. What have I done? Never talk to you again. Like an old man. No. I said, thank you that you love me. Was I happy with it? No. No one feels, oh, yes, I've been corrected. <laughs> no, everybody's like, oh, that's the kisir, ne? But I don't run away. I don't pull out of the relationship. I don't withdraw from the relationship. I look you in your face. I look and I say, thank you. And next week I see you again. And a week after that, and then it was over. And now I've been corrected. We need to be open to correction. Otherwise, we've made an idol of family. We've placed there and we worship family. We worship marriage and not the creator of marriage. Not the creator of family. It is not culturally accepted to follow Jesus. Do you get that? When we walk out that door and we smell like the world, we walk like the world, we talk like the world, and we treat our families like the world, we are like the world. If it walks like a duck, cracks like a duck, it's a duck. There's something different about the children of God. Sorry, I'm excited. I'm... Forgive me if I come across a bit harsh, please. Some of us need to wake up. Okay. And everyone who has left houses, we spoke about that. Brothers, sisters, or father, or mother, or wife, or children, family, or land. Next one, lands. Lands talks about culture. There's a culture in the land. On the south coast, what's the culture? Slow coast culture. I can't work. Circle keys blast. Slow coast culture. Booze culture. Party culture. Let's go further. Afrikaans culture. English culture. Zulu culture. In our, in our country, the word culture has become a curse word. It's my culture. My word, that's nauseating. It is. But this is, this is how our Indians are. Oh, really? So are you an Indian or a citizen of heaven? Are you a Burki or a citizen of heaven? Are you from England, Scotland, Ireland, Wales, Australia, or a citizen of heaven? Because that's the culture we ought to have. Forsake this country. This culture, this language, this way of thinking, leave it. How else is God going to say, listen, I want you to go to Timbuktu? No, I'm not going to Timbuktu. God send me anywhere. But especially to my home address. No, I must go to Timbuktu. Go there. He's not going to go. Why? Because I can't forsake the land. I can't forsake culture. Can't forsake the way I'm thinking. If 
can't forsake the way we do business. This is how we do business. Are we going to do business this way? What does heaven say about that? What does heaven say about that? If I can't leave my house and my family and my country, then why do I want to go to his house? Why would I going to go? I have to leave it on this earth already. I have to say, I am parting with this world to get to your sir. Because I am a citizen of heaven. My original country is the country of heaven. In Afrikaans, you've got a saying, You are not from here, you are sent here with a purpose and a plan. And we need to hang on to heaven and the way heaven does it and the way God does it. And the way Jesus wants you to do it. Won't be popular. Won't be popular. You won't, any, you won't win any popularity contest. You'll probably lose a lot of friends. Because you're going to go to a braai and the guys are going to have beers and smokes and you're going to turn around and you're going to go home. And I ask you why you're leaving. He says, I can't stand it anymore. I can't stand you using the Lord's name like that. I can't stand this drinking culture anymore. I'm not condemning you. But from the country I'm from, we don't do it. And suddenly you stand out. Suddenly you look different. I promise you years ago, just before we moved down, good friends of ours, good friends, in the Lani part of Pretoria, Lani part, okay? You go in there, there's security, they scan your ID, they scan your car's license, they phone the person, are you expecting, who are you? I, I always joke, tell him it's you Hefner. <laughs> hey, Mr. You Hefner is here for you, sir. Let him come in. Sometimes I'm Bill Gates. <laughs> no, come on in. <laughs> I always joke with the security guys. I find it very funny when they don't know who Bill Gates is. So I find it amusing. And you go in and we're standing there and we're having this braai and everybody is decaying there. And there's some people with a beer and somebody's smoking. And they're standing and we're braying. And, and I'm just being myself. You know, when you have those, one of those little bit up days where you feel more at liberty to be yourself and more at ease. I don't know if you guys know what I'm talking about. Sometimes I'm a little bit lower and... I'm a little bit more quiet, but this day I'm a little bit more myself, and I'm talking, and I'm having a good conversation. And the one guy says to me, so what do you do for a living, you know? <laughs> and my friend Isaac is standing over here, and Isaac starts laughing. Isaac starts laughing. And we're in the middle of this braai now. Eh? We're in the middle of this braai. The meat's not done quite. You know? We're having a good conversation. And I says, what do you do for a living? I was like, why? He says, because you know, you speak so eloquently. You know, you, you're captivating in the way you talk. <laughs> oh, I wish my church would tell me that. <laughs> I'm joking. And Isaac starts laughing. And I said to him, I am in the ministry. Bro, that man's meat went off that bra immediately. There's 10 oaks that were standing there. Gone. 
They're in their cars, packing up their cooler boxes, cigarettes away, everything gone. They get in their cars and they leave within half an hour from me saying that. Stuff that actually we're going to watch together. It's over. The whole atmosphere changed. Why? Because I'm some bee's knees. No. No, 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 no. You carry heaven's atmosphere. And they're kind of drawn to it until they find out what it is. And they're like, got to make a decision. And like this rich young man, they go, I can either go away, sad, or if we go to Luke 19, we find the guy there, short guy, Zacchaeus. Let's go to Luke 19. Zacchaeus. Verse 2, Luke 19, verse 2. Now behold, there was a man named Zacchaeus who was a chief tax collector and he was rich. Can you see the correlation to the rich young man? He has another rich guy. Rich, lots of money. Lots of, we got lots of money. Okay? And when Jesus, verse 5, came to the place, he looked up and saw and said to him, Zacchaeus, make haste, come down, from the, come down for today. I must stay at your house. Verse 8. Then Zacchaeus stood and said to the Lord. Now I want to interject here a conversation. The same conversation the rich young man had. Jesus, what must I do to earn heaven? And Jesus would have said, go keep the commandments. And then he would say, well, Lord, I stole people's money. But look, verse 8, then Zacchaeus stood, said to the Lord, 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 I give half of my goods to the poor, and if I've taken anything from anyone by false accusation, I restore fourfold. What's he doing? What's Zacchaeus doing? He is de detaching from earthly possessions. He's detaching. He's saying, my heart, now moves to you, Jesus. It moves. Boom. And then Jesus says the following, Today salvation has come to this house. Now that word salvation is the word, Greek word soteria, which means deliverance, forgiveness, healing, provision. It's a very big word. Soteria. Jesus says to Zacchaeus, after Zacchaeus said, I move my heart, I place my trust in you, and not in my money, and not in my house, and not in my family, and not in my culture, or the country I stay in, but in you. The question we have to ask ourselves is, and it's very easy to say, yes, it's Jesus. It's very easy. Where is my treasure? Is my treasure in my money? My treasure in my family? My treasure in my land? Or in my culture? Or in my house? Or is my treasure truly in Jesus?
And when it is, he says, yeah, yeah, salvation for you. Yeah, suteria for you. Never mind one day, hundredfold. Now. Now. You want joy? You want peace in your house? Move your heart to Jesus. That's what we got to do. It's easy to say yes. And then tomorrow, I choose my family's comfort again. Or I do that shady business deal again. Or I go to that cultural thing of my family again. And not say, I don't partake in that anymore. I'm from a different place. It's easy to say that. Why don't you close your eyes? We pray together. Sorry, kid. Come up. You guys come up. I'm worthy of it all. We're going to do worthy of it all. You see, this is where I want to end off at. Is that Jesus is worthy of us relinquishing everything. That's the power of treasure. That's the power of treasure. Now, no one is saying, go close your business, divorce your wife, kick your kids in the street, okay, and move to...